0: Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook.
1: Let's talk about one of my favorite articles that comes out every year. Yes. By one of my colleagues at 24-7 Sports. It's Bud Elliott. He's been doing this for over a decade now. The blue chip ratio. Yeah. And Bud's theory is, basically, and he's not wrong, and I'll give you the, the rationale here in a minute. The blue chip ratio basically means to win a national championship, history shows you've got to recruit more five- and four-star players. Than you do two- and three-star players. Prospects. I mean, I just I need to correct myself. Prospects. I don't like when people say players. You're recruiting prospects because it's not if it were players, you would just be taking the best high school football right. players. But as we know, sometimes the best high school football players aren't the best prospects and so on and so forth. So, basically, There's a difference between yes. a
0: player and a prospect. Yes.
1: And I think this just kind of shows you where the trends have gone in college football. So uh, I want to start from the bottom. So Bud basically runs this down going back to 2011. Uh, Alabama shocker, had a blue chip ratio of 71%. 71% of their roster in 2012 and 2011 were blue chip guys, four and five star guys. Uh In 2013, Florida State was your national champion. Their blue chip ratio 53%, which is going to be the second lowest that we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh We'll mention the lowest here in a minute. 2014, Ohio State, 68%. 2015, Bama again, 77%. Your lowest... Was Clemson in 2016 52 percent? It helps when among that 52 percent is a transcending quarterback like Clemson have with Deshaun Watson. Alabama won it in 2017 uh, with 80 percent. That 2017 Bama team, think about it. That was you had Tua, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. Those guys were freshmen, Alex mm. Leatherwood. Those were freshmen playing significant or, playing and or starting in the national championship game. Okay, Bama was at 77 percent uh, or 80 percent, excuse me, in 17. Clemson in 18, 61%. LSU in 2019, 64%. <laughs> Alabama in 2020, that offense, Sarkad, one of the best college football offenses we've seen in the last quarter century. Yes, 83% of their roster was five- and four-star guys. Georgia was at 80% two years ago, and Georgia was at 70% last year, 77% last year when they won the national title. So who are the 16 programs, Craig, you might ask, that have a chance to win the national championship? You can go all the way down. Auburn at 51%. They're over the threshold. Now, they've got some challenges. They were not very good last year under Brian Harson. Mm-hmm. And Cadillac Williams for the few games he was in a room. We'll see if Hugh Freeze can get that turned around. I'm sure that blue ship blue ship ratio is going to climb you know, in right. Hugh Freeze. I have no doubt about that. Right. Uh, USC at fifty two percent, Michigan at fifty four, Penn State at fifty five, Miami at sixty one percent, Florida at sixty four percent. You know what's a common theme here? Like these are traditional blue blood programs. Yeah. that are all over the threshold. Uh, Notre Dame at sixty five percent, Oregon at sixty seven percent, and then at seventy percent. Texas and Oklahoma, both, 70% of their rosters are blue-chip guys. Now you go up from there, LSU at 71%, Clemson at 72%. The four You want to take a guess who's got the fourth highest blue-chip ratio in the country?
0: Hmm. The top
1: three should be a dead giveaway.
0: Well, well, the top three I would see say would be in some order: Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. <laughs>
1: but Alabama won at ninety percent. <laughs> yeah, like Nick Saban. Unless you're a kicker or a punter, Nick Saban. doesn't So who's take, number two? <laughs> Ohio State, eighty-five percent. And three would be Georgia. Georgia at seventy-seven. So
0: number four is kind of we're kind of doing this college football playoff thing where they go to the who's that four right. team. And if it, you think it,
1: about think about uh, a state where you've got a really fertile recruiting ground and a conference that has a lot of cachet, and you think of all the schools I've mentioned, there's one I haven't mentioned yet.
0: USC? No. See, you already said LSU. That's why I didn't... How about
1: Texas A&M at 73%? Okay. So talent, A&M fans, should technically not be your problem. I I thought Rod was mentioning some of this yesterday. I think the issue with A&M right now is they've got talent. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think you can... You look at the, the numbers of guys they put in the NFL, I don't even think it's a talent development problem. They got a culture problem, a big culture problem that they got to figure out there. So Texas at seventy percent, the Longhorns are right in that mix to be in the. And it doesn't it doesn't guarantee you. And Bud even mentions this in the article. Mm-hmm. You, it just because you're, uh, and I, I'll give I'll, I'll I'll give you this paragraph. I read it verbatim just so you can kind of put into context what all this means. Okay. And you can, by the way, this is on the front page at Horns Twenty Four Seven right now. You can go there get it. You don't even need a subscription. It's a free article. Uh, that's not to say that development doesn't matter. It certainly does. But nobody wins a national title by player development in lieu of elite recruiting. Plenty of coaches who are regarded as elite have never sniffed winning at all because they cannot accumulate enough talent. Mm-hmm. I think we all know who who those schools are. Like, Luke Fickle wasn't going to win a national championship in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just go on down the list. On the other hand, there are examples of coaches who are not regarded as premier head men who have won it all thanks to elite recruits. And here's the caveat with the names I'm going to mention, and you'll understand, not to lump them all into the same category. Again, saying up front, not to lump them all into the same category, but nobody ever accused Gene Chiswick, Les Miles, Mac Brown, or Ed Orgeron of being tactical masterminds. Dare I say, Craig, one of these things is not like the other Mm -hmm. in that group of four. Uh, So you know, there's no substitute for player. I mean, player development uh, is key culture is a huge part of it but it it stands with it starts with, excuse me, if I can talk right today, it starts with recruiting elite prospects, and Sark has done that. What What makes me hopeful that this is actually going to mean something under Steve Sarkisian, because when you look back at Texas in a blue-chip ratio, it had gone down under Matt to where I think by the time Tom Herman took the job, I think his first team at Texas, I want to say the blue-chip ratio was 46%, 47%. Wow. wow. Yeah, you, more than half of your roster were not blue-chip guys at Texas. Uh, that's just and, and part of that was you had a lot of attrition from that year of coaching turnover. Remember, Tom Herman ran out a lot of guys that went on to Power 5 programs and played significant snaps. And one guy, in particular Jordan Elliott, ended up getting drafted. So, you know, it does start with recruiting talent. But I'll never forget this, and it's interesting that a documentary is coming out, the Netflix documentary about the, the 2000s Florida teams under Urban Meyer. Right. After he left Florida and left that program in shambles from the heights of where it is, and that's that's why that's a fascinating team, to, and I want to see what this documentary is all about. Yes, you're going to have the Tebow stuff, you'll have the Aaron Hernandez stuff, but like, sure. how it peaked and how it just fell off a cliff really fast. Remember that year between when he was at Florida and the, when he took over to Ohio State, Urban Meyer was doing ESPN? Yeah, he was. There? I heard him say this, and I, I, for some reason it's always stuck with me. He said on the,
0: one of those one of those uh, college game day sets yeah,
1: yeah. He, he said the the thing he realized about Florida where he went wrong was he said by the end he said we got so consumed he said and I got so consumed with acquiring talent that I forgot how to build a team I wasn't taking that into consideration okay so that means you can take talented guys and we've seen this problem in Texas but the talented guys have to fit into your program. Mm-hmm. They've got to be culture fits. they got to be scheme fits. they got to be fits academically, socially. they got to be able to handle it. And we heard Mac say this for years, Craig. And hes I, I know he's told recruits this because recruits, even some recruits that ended up playing for him that had success at Texas that were All-Americans, Mac even told some of those guys, he's like, I don't know if Texas is the right place for you. I'm looking at your grades. I'm talking to your high school coach. I don't know if... You're talented enough to play here, but I don't know if this is the right place for you. You right. need to think really hard about it before you commit to come here. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes coaches don't take that into consideration. And the problem at Texas has been, we saw this with Mack at the end, and we saw definitely saw it with Charlie, and to an extent with Tom Herman. By the end, there's so much pressure on you to win that you put the blinders on, and at that point, you're just, i got to get talent, i got to get talent, i got to get talent. talent. Yeah. And then that's a problem that the next guy has to clean up. Yep. And Charlie had to clean up Max's mess. That's why I mess. always
0: talk about uh, the current coach paying for the sins of the past.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie had to clean up some of Max's mess. Uh, Tom had to clean up some of Charlie's mess. And we know Sark had to clean up some of Tom's mess. So it's this, it's this perpetual cycle. But I feel like Sark has not only recruited talented guys, but you look at their low attrition numbers, their low transfer numbers. Like if, and, Craig, you know, this being around this team, like we've been around Texas teams that have won like the same number of games, mm-hmm. like eight, nine games. And those were teams that were not fun. Some of those teams were not fun to be around. Right. The team last year, that, it was a fun group to be around. Right. Like you enjoyed going to do your job and being around these guys because they were fun guys to be with, and you could tell this is a group that genuinely likes coming to the facility every day. Uh, so from a culture standpoint, I think Sark's got it right. It just goes back to what I've been talking about is my overarching theme for the year. With all this talent, with the right culture, can Sark and the staff give this team the schematic advantage that they're going to need to get over the hump in those two or three tight games where the talent's going to even out and you need that little extra edge uh, can that put you over the top? But Texas, certainly, the, the talent is there. Even even though you might look, oh, Texas has 70% blue chips and Alabama's got 90%. Look at where the blue chips for Texas are now. They're on the offensive line. They're at quarterback. They're at wide receiver. Uh, you've got some guys on the edge. You've got guys in the secondary. You've got now premium positions where you've recruited and cultivated talent that now is in a position to go help you win big.
0: There you go. All right.
1: I know uh, I got a little long-winded there.
0: But... That's okay. That's uh, okay. I want to get into something next hour. We don't have to wait for The Notebook to do it, but I I want you to give some thought because the vibe I get from the past uh, and even just in this current day and time from a lot of fans is a a struggle with the word culture uh, because... There are varying definitions and meanings of what it means in terms of a college athletic program—football, basketball, or baseball. Now, it is the buzzword for coaches, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but since like that drop, we have Nick Saban. Tell me what it means. What does it all mean? You know, there's there. It means different things, so yeah. I, I want to get into that a little bit and next time. And, and yes,
1: somebody asked on the specs text line, "What makes for great culture?" Yeah, yeah I do want to yeah. get into that because that's not. Yeah. I, I, what one thing I've learned, Craig? uh it's kind of, The definition of culture is kind of like the definition of pornography. You, you know what, when I you see it. I can't tell you what you it, it is, but know I know it when, when I, I see it. it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's one of the most fascinating responses that I get when I do that panel discussion. Yeah. And I'll bring it up again. I'll tell you right now. I'm going to bring up the word culture again because of the varied responses and definitions in these 12 Division I FBS coaches' minds when they're on the day. It's about what it really means. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so... It means little things and it means big things and a lot in between.